0: everybody, and welcome to Famula One. I am your host today, Jack. Jamie is not here today. She is on a much-deserved vacation, so it's just you and me, which is very different than what we're used to. Um, It definitely feels like mom's away Aunt Jack is here, so we're going to eat a ton of ice cream, and I'm going to show you movies that your parents wouldn't allow, so let's just get into it. There's a lot to go over, a lot of F1 news, and I'm very excited for today's episode. Uh, But like I said before, a lot of F1 news. So let's jump into that first. The biggest being that it is Austin Grand Prix week. Um, It is a sprint weekend, super excited, a ton of racing going on. And speaking of a ton of racing going on, F1 Academy will also be racing in Austin this weekend. Um, They had posted on their website and on their socials, the times of all of their races and their qualifiers. We'll make sure to repost those so everyone knows. So if you go to at FAMULA1 on Instagram, we'll make sure that those are on there too. Haas apparently has a new upgrade for the race, for their said home race um, to go along with their new fireproof suits, which are once again, subpar. par. I, I think the reason I don't like them is because I loved, I think it was 2017 Red Bull, when they had like the fake boots on, they looked exactly like Woody from Toy Story. And that's what I'm expecting. And that's the bar that is set and people just haven't been able to reach it. And that's just what I want. Anyway, this new upgrade for the car. They have a whole new aerodynamic package. It's said to be modeled after Red Bull. They definitely need this to help them. They have been losing spots in the Constructors' Championship for quite some time now. They lost a spot to Williams and in Qatar two weeks ago. They lost the spot to Alfa Romeo after Alfa Romeo were in double points. So they definitely need it to get back up into the points. I think they're now ninth out of 10th, so definitely I'm hoping that this makes it a little bit more interesting for them. The thing I am most excited about for this weekend, though, is Daniel Ricciardo is back on the grid for Alpha AlphaTauri. It is sad that Liam Lawson isn't going to be with us, but Daniel Ricciardo is back, and he is not only back, but he's back at his pretty much second home race, <laughs> let's be honest. It is not a, another home race for Logan Sargent. It is a home race for Daniel Ricardo. I'm also really excited to see what he has planned for this weekend. Um, Cause last year he did his track walk on a horse and it was spectacular. So I'm very excited to see what he has planned. I have high expectations. More F1 news is that the Belgian Grand Prix will be staying on the calendar until 2025, which is great. Uh, Spa is super interesting to watch. But if there is anyone listening that would like to take a fan opinion, I think I can speak for all fans. Please do not make it a sprint weekend. We do not need a torrential downpour race weekend again. We lived it this year. We're good. We had our fill. Sergio Perez. Poor, poor Sergio Perez. (laughs) is still at the forefront of news with multiple rumors going on around about his future in F1. So the first one, which I'm sure you've seen or heard of, is that he will announce his retirement at his home race, the Mexico Grand Prix. This was all started from a Reddit thread um, and someone had claimed that they were at a dinner with a high ranking employee and they had essentially spilled the beans at dinner. The Reddit post has since been taken down and Sergio has come out and said that he wants at least three to four more years in F1. So you can kind of put that one to rest, that it's not going to be happening. The theory that we talked about last week and fan behavior has talked about it in extensive length as well, that Sergio Perez needs to clinch P2 in the driver's championship to stay in his Red Bull seat is Gaining more strength is kind of becoming more validated every day. Red Bull is definitely showing their support for Daniel. Um, He is signed on for AlphaTauri in 2024. He was in Nashville this past weekend for Red Bull. He was racing Seb's, I think it was 2011 championship car. So they definitely are behind him, are showing their support. There was um, somebody had tweeted actually saying something along the lines of you would have no idea that Sergio Perez was the second driver for Red Bull based on the social media from the past week, which I found very funny. Um, yeah, so there's five races left in the season. Eyes will definitely be on Sergio and Daniel. Sergio should be at the front of the pack. He hits in a very, very fast car. Max has proven that with winning races by 20, 30 seconds, he should be at the front. And he's really writing the coattails of him doing well at the beginning of the season. So Sergio Perez has been DNFing. And the only reason he's still P2 is because he did so well at the beginning of the season. He's been DNFing, he's been getting low positions. He was 10th in guitar. Um and Daniel obviously has been out. He was injured and But before that, he did incredibly well in his AlphaTauri. He got P13 in his first race back in AlphaTauri. So I'm very excited to see what he can do in the car and really prove himself and see what happens. If you've listened to our Silly Season episode, which feels so long ago, which is crazy, you know that Red Bull is not shy about replacing drivers before their contract is up. So we will see how that comes out. It I don't suspect we'll actually have a definite answer until the season's fully over. Yeah. On more fun news, Netflix has announced a new documentary where F1 drivers and golfers will be facing off. I don't know if facing off is the right word, but they'll be playing golf together. And it looks like it's going to be Lando, Carlos, Alex, and Pierre participating from the F1 side. And it's going to be called Netflix Cup and it will be going live November 14th. So it will be more opportunities to see the boys. I think I will be watching even though I'm not a huge fan of golf. I mean, we get two out of the three 2019 rookies. We got Carlando. I think it'll be interesting. I think it will be funny. So I will be watching. And finally, probably one of the most exciting things to happen in F1 for this week Alpine has welcomed a couple new investors, a lot of athletes, including Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. You heard that right. Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are investors in Alpine F1. I don't know about Travis Kelsey, but I know Patrick Mahomes is an investor in the women's Kansas City soccer team, which is awesome. So he definitely has uh, a history with it. I also wonder, though, Ryan Reynolds is another investor in Alpine, and he was at the Chiefs, I think it was Chiefs-Jets football game. Did he then rope Patrick and Travis in because he went to the game with Taylor to the Chiefs game? That would be crazy. Or maybe that was like the final selling pitch, you know? That would be so cool if that was, I want a story behind all that. I also want a documentary. Welcome to Wrexham is an incredibly well done doc. So it would be really cool to see with the really high profile investors that Alpine has, what they can do with it and how they're going to capitalize on it, because I feel like they haven't with Ryan Reynolds at all yet. So it will be interesting to see what they do. That is all the F1 news as of today. And now it is story time. Very excited. You might have remembered this from our Dream Team episode. Jamie had mentioned this. And ever since she mentioned it, I've been kind of enthralled with the story because it's crazy, almost unbelievable. But it's true. So sources for today's story are Campaign Live UK, The Drive, Talksport, and... Sadly, I did have to go to Wikipedia, and I'll point out where the Wikipedia part is, so you can fact check me if you want. Essentially, this is a promotion for a new Ocean's Eleven movie, leads to a lost diamond in Monaco. probably know what I'm talking about already, but this was for the Monaco Grand Prix in 2004. The Jaguar Racing team works with the Ocean's Twelve movie PR team and Steinmetz Diamonds, On the sponsorship, they did this big event with George Clooney and Brad Pitt. And I think Matt Damon was there, but didn't see a photo. To unveil a new livery with a diamond embedded on both nose cones of the car. And yes, you heard me correctly the nose cones of an F1 car. The diamond's value kind of varies depending on the media outlet that you look at, but it's anywhere from 200,000 to 300,000 pounds each diamond. Let's just pause for a second and just take all of that in. They are putting these very expensive diamonds on nose cones of F1 cars. And it makes me believe that whoever had this idea, I don't think that they've ever actually seen an F1 race, let alone the Monaco Grand Prix. I get it, wanting to do Monaco because it's like this epitome of luxury, right? But the track is so tight. It's one of the tightest street races, and drivers crash and scrape the walls all the time. So it is, it's wild. And it it. Anyway, some context for all of you. The drivers for the Jaguar Racing team are at this time Mark Weber and Christian Klein. Jaguar Racing is in their fifth year. They're not doing super well. Uh, They finished seventh in the Constructors years prior, and then they finished outside the top 10 in Drivers' Championships. Jaguar was definitely feeling pressure and also having fears of being sold by their parent company, Ford. So they really needed to prove that they deserve to be there, that they're getting added value out of this F1 team and drawing attention to the Jaguar brand just in general. They had done lavish partnerships in the past, for example, in the 2003 Monaco Grand Prix. They put Naomi Campbell in a 240-carat necklace, and they did see massive success from this. They saw a ton of press coverage. So I guess that's kind of where they thought, okay, we did this. It did really well. How can we step it up this year? And I guess that means stepping up is diamonds and nose cones. Navsadu, at the time, was Jaguar Jaguar Racing's director of communications, and he handled the partnership. They worked with Steinmetz Group for the diamonds, and Steinmetz Group gave them five diamonds, like these massive, massive, (laughs) massive diamonds. Uh, Two were used as more of a photo op, so when they did everything with Matt Damon and George Clooney for the movie, and, exp- and showing the livery, it were the it was these like big emerald cut diamonds. And if you look at those, they do not look secure at all. Uh, but that's really for the photo op to show the diamonds and everything like that. While they had the two other diamonds kind of encased, they were set in this stainless steel carrier at the tip of the nose cone, and they had branding around it for the Steinmetz Group. And I guess they thought, okay, this is going to make it secure as the stainless steel carrier. And I don't know what happened with the other diamond. I had said that they gave them five, but no one ever said what happened to the fifth one. So maybe they just wanted to give them options to look at, which I get. You want options. There are a ton of rumors, and I probably, I, I thought the same thing, that these diamonds are fake. There's no way that they're going to do this. But Sadoo refutes that and says that these diamonds are very, very much real. This whole thing was very real. And as crazy as this is, the cars had the diamonds embedded in them from Thursday practice and were used in every session. Now moving on, pivot a, a little bit to Christian Klein, who's one of the drivers for Jaguar as I mentioned before. It was his first season in F1. He's a rookie. He is a a, a good talent. Um, he was one of the first teammates to out-qualify Mark Webber. That was the Wikipedia fact. So if anyone wants to fact check me on that, but he was, it It says he was one of the first teammates to out-qualify Mark Webber, showing that he can do that in Mark Webber. We all know how good he is. And he stayed on the team when Jaguar was eventually bought by Red Bull in 2005 and stayed in F1 to 2011. So he obviously had this talent and he was able to keep up in F1 maybe it wasn't winning titles, but he was able to still compete with everybody. Let's go back to Monaco. As I mentioned before, the diamonds were embedded and they use them in every session from Thursday till race day. Everything's going well until Saturday in Quali. Klein does actually crash. It's the back of the car. And so every, everything's fine, I guess i at that point would have been like okay we did our thing take them out we this is already too much anxiety we got to move on but they didn't they kept them in and it is a bit of foreshadowing which i find i find funny in this story on race day christian klein because he crashed in Quali, he was 15th on the grid and so he's kind of in the heart of all the chaos and We all know how Monaco is. You want the, well, in every race, you want the quickest reaction time to get off. But you also are trying to get in front of as many cars as possible in the beginning because it is so hard to overtake in Monaco. However, Christian Klein crashes on lap one with a Jordan car. The wing is severely damaged and jams under the wheels of the car, causing him to crash into the wall. Nose cone first. I know worst case scenario happens first lap and it it goes pretty much per usual the car is craned out so that the race can continue but the jaguar team can't get to the car because of safety regulations so they can't get to the car for another two hours and once they do get to the car they realize the diamond is gone i know dun 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 right now where the diamond is is still a mystery There was a bit of an investigation and a search. People were interviewed. People that were around there, the marshals were interviewed. And to make matters worse, the diamond was not insured. None of these diamonds were insured. Essentially, they all knew the risk going in and decided to just go for it. Um, They had bodyguards and everything with them as much as they could. But obviously, you can't have a bodyguard with you on race day. And they couldn't get to the car after it crashed. The reason that they decided to go with it, I know you're probably thinking, why would anyone agree to give up this amount of money when you know you can't insure it? The Steinmetz group were really small and they wanted the press that came with being pictured with George Clooney and Brad Pitt. And Sadoo really spins this, which I think is a total marketing PR tactic when he's done interviews since. The companies did get a ton of press. When you look at past information about Monaco in 2024, excuse me, 2004, I'm jumping ahead, in 2004, no one talks about really who won the race. They talk about the lost diamond. And those companies, Jaguar, Steinmetz Group, etc. they were getting asked for interviews, wanting to know if it was a stunt because it was part of Ocean's 12, all of that stuff. And so they kind of put it off to the side and said, you know, this is a cost of business, even though the attention did die down by the time the next race happened. It was just such an influx of coverage. And as a marketing person, I do see the value in it. I still think it's crazy. I'm also not a gambling person. So maybe that has to do something with it. And as you may be thinking and conspiring, there are a ton of conspiracy theories that came from all of this. One that client crashed on purpose so that the diamond could go to the correct person and then they could sell it or the Jaguar had planned it all and uh, wanted money just in case that they were being sold or they wanted it to work on the cars extra, whatever um or that the diamond was just taken by a marshal or a bystander in the two hours that people could the Jaguar team couldn't get to it. What I really wanna know is like, where is it? Did a marshal pick it up? Like I said, was it a bystander? Was the diamond even really in there? Was the real diamond even in there? Did somebody replace it before the race even started? These are the things that I want to know. I could go on forever, I have so many questions. But it's an incredibly unsatisfying ending because people still don't know. And that is why I've decided to make up my own. And if anyone would like to make a movie out of it, hit me up. I'm happy to write it with you. So, story time has now evolved into movie time. And from what I can tell, and what people have found based on, like, videos and photos, because it's an F1 race, so it's heavily photographed... The diamond was knocked off prior to the car hitting the wall nose cone first. So it wasn't in the tire wall. They had looked in the tire wall quite a bit. It wasn't there, but it wouldn't have been there because it was already knocked out of the car. Also, Klein crashed with another car. And if he had just understeered into the wall, then I think I could, you know, support that conspiracy theory that Klein and or Jaguar had anything to do with it. But because he crashed into another car, I don't think that they did so I'm thinking it's a third party. And it would have to be people who knew F1 or somewhat. They would have to know how delicate the cars are, especially the front wing. And they would have to know that Monaco comes with crashes and DNFs since the track is so difficult. The team, yes, it would have to be a team because it would have to be multiple people. You could not just do this on your own. Analyze the Jaguar team after they announced the partnership with Steinmetz Group for the Diamonds. And they knew they would have to target Christian Klein rather than Mark Weber, since Klein was a rookie to F1 and based off his past races that season. And Weber would be less likely to crash, less reliable in that sense, because he had done it before. Now, they also knew that guards would be with the Diamonds 24-7 and overall the cars would be surrounded by people because of how much attention they would be getting. And they knew that their time to really strike and grab the diamond would be after a driver crashed. This is the part that I have had to step out a little bit on. And this is where it gets a little crazy. But I, it is my movie. And as we said, I am in a constant state of illusion. And this is what's happening. They loop in a team member on Jaguar to put a tracking device on the diamond. The team would be stationed around the track, ready to jump in when the crash happened. Now, this is the part where I have trouble with my own story, because I think that would mean the team would have to be huge and then the cuts would be smaller. But that's something I could, I'll flesh out later. Klein crashing into another car wasn't the most ideal. They really did want him to crash into the wall, but knew that it was a high possibility given the track and F1 starting. So they moved in quickly at their stations from the start and located the diamond easily, putting it in the pocket of their coveralls because they are dressed as marshals. And then when all the craziness was over, the race was going back and everything was done. They took off the marshal uniform to reveal just regular clothes. And then they just blended in with the crowd and they scattered to not raise suspicions. They didn't really talk to each other. You know, all that, yada, yada, yada. Leader sells a diamond and then they meet up, get their cut. The other angle that I do, I do really love is that after the crash, like someone's dog found it or it was like in someone's flower bed and it's just on their mantle or something and it's just been passed down by the families. I love that idea. Um, but that doesn't make it as great of a movie. So I'll go with the first one. Yeah. So let me know your conspiracy theories about this. I'd love to know don't go analyzing mine because it's perfect. And that's really it for this episode. I hope you all have an amazing week. And to those going to the Austin Grand Prix, please have fun. Please be safe. And in the words of Jamie, love you. Bye.